This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. We want to continue in our study. Let's go to James chapter 2. We're continuing where the pastor has been teaching on. And we want to pick up again there in verse number 21. I've done some more studying this week and found a couple of nice uh, nuggets, I call them, some good things to pass on to you about this thing of works and faith. And that's what we've really been focusing on and talking about. And we want to continue that thought about works and faith and the difference in it and what it means to you and me as Christians. And as I was looking at some of those things and studying it today, I think about, and I just want to put it this way, if you, and I think some of these phrases will really help us understand the difference. First of all, faith is the root of salvation, and works are the fruit of salvation. So we can, we can begin to see the difference in there, Faith is the cause of salvation, but works are the results of salvation. And I hope that makes sense to us tonight. Because we see that word justification, uh, and we've been talking about Abraham, and how that these things were counted unto him for righteousness. And justification by faith is demonstrated by works. So you'll, you'll begin to, once again, continue to focus in on what we do after we get saved, the things that we do for Christ, the things that we talked about last week that are going to matter, that are going to stand. And, you know, when it comes to faith, yes, faith alone saves, but faith that saves is not alone. And when you think about that, I believe when we look at Christians, when we look at each other, we will want to do works for Christ and we'll see works for Christ. You know, it really makes me wonder about someone sometimes when there's no evidence of any work. There's nothing they want to do for Christ. They say, I got saved. They say, I asked the Lord to save me. Praise the Lord. I, I know I'm going to heaven now. And so... I kind of said, well, I tell you what, here we, we got something over here that you can do. Here's something we need your help in. Here's something you can get, get involved in. Well, I, I really don't want to do any of that. I'm not interested in none, none of that. You know, I, I believe that, that we really will get involved in serving Christ when we are children of God. We will look for opportunities. And those opportunities will come open. The Lord will provide those. So, uh, you know, I, I don't give too much credit to this lip service when somebody says I'm saved, but I don't want to do nothing for Christ. You know, I, I don't want to serve the Lord. So what we were looking at in Abraham was that Abraham's faith was made real. I mean, he, he had to come to points in his life when he couldn't just say, I believe God. People had to see him believing God. And he proved them. He did that. And so he proved he had that kind of faith, saving faith. 
I believe saving faith will stand the test of life. And that's what we need in this day that we live in. So let's look at verse 21 again, because he was starting to give these examples of this faith and this works that we're doing for God. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son upon the altar? So if we if we just back up just a minute where we were talking about Abraham, I don't I want you to remember some of the thoughts that we brought out and that Abraham went through many things. His life, remember we talked about it was a life of surrender. He had to surrender some things that were important to him. He had to make some changes that he didn't expect he would make. His homeland, his way of life. When, when Hagar came in the picture and Ishmael and, and his son Isaac towards the end and what he had to do with him, all of these things were tests of Abraham to see what kind of faith that he had in God. And so it brought him to that place of surrender. Many times, instead of getting mad about to God about something that's going on in my life or getting upset with God, I sometimes take a step back and say, wait a minute, God may be testing me. He may be trying me here. He may be putting me under the spotlight here to see what I'm going to do. And just what am I going to do? People are going to watch, see that. They're going to understand that something's going on here in my life and they want to see how I'm going to react as a Christian. And are they going to see that strong faith? Are they going to see that, that, that word that we read in here that Abraham believed God? Are they going to see that I believe God even in the tough times? So as he came through a long way of giving up things and changing things, I believe we see Abraham was a great believer. You know, I thought about that. What a question to ask us tonight. Are you a great believer? Am I a great believer? What do you mean? Well, do I just say I believe God? Or do I believe God in everything? You see, Abraham had to become a great believer because much was asked of him in certain situations. And we may believe God in small things, but then when the big things come on, we might, wait a minute, and you know, I, I'm not so sure about this now. Uh, we can believe God in all those things. So we, we went to Romans chapter four, and I, I'm pretty sure they'll get these on the, on the screen for you, or you can turn in your Bible. Well, we looked at Romans chapter four, and we looked at just beginning in those first verses of chapter, of verse one. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, so we're talking about Abraham in his natural fleshly man, carnal man here on earth. What did, what did he find out? What did Abraham find out? For verse two, if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. So it's not about what I can do so someone else can see me. It's not about what I can do so I can accumulate a list of things that I have done here on earth just to prove I'm busy doing something. But it's about doing it for God. So when we do things for God, then that's that living faith that we've talking, been talking about. And it's put into action 
and that's going to be accredited to us. Verse 3, for what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God. I love those three words there. Abraham believed God. You know, wouldn't that be great thing be said about all of us? What about that person? You know, when we dine and the preacher preaches our funeral, wouldn't it be great if he's able to stand up here and say, this person, I know one thing, they believed God. What a testimony. They believed God. And that's what he did. And then we saw that. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. So we find that it's not important a lot of the things that Abraham did, they, they wasn't things that God, I'm sure just like in our life, we do a lot of things in our lifetime. In a day, in a week, we do a lot of things and not everything that we do will bring honor and glory to God. I mean, we live a life, we have other things going on in our life. But I would surely hope that maybe by the time a week is over, we can think of some things that we did during that week to bring glory to God. We can think of some things that we looked for that would point someone to Christ. And so we find that it's not about self-glory, but it's about doing things for God. And we also talked about, because we're in Romans and we're connecting it with James, James and Paul were not contradicting each other when it came, comes to this uh, works and when it comes to this um, faith. They, they weren't contradicting each other. They were trying to get it, we're trying to get both sides of what we're talking about here. So when we got to that verse 3 in Romans, where it said Abraham believed God, he's quoting Genesis fifteen six. He believed the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. So it's a it's a, a quote from from earlier in Genesis, the same, the very same thing. Now, when did Abraham really get to the point where he believed God? And we talked about that. You remember, uh, they didn't, they wouldn't go have a child, but yet there came a time when God said, "You know what? You're going to have a child." And here he is, a hundred years old, and his Sarah over here with a dead womb that can't have children. And what did he do? They, did he throw his hands up and say, that's crazy talk, God? No, he believed God. He took what God had said he would, that promise, and he said, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to trust God. In other words, he took God at his word. And that's something that I think you and I need to learn to do all the time. Not only do we need to read the word, but we need to take God at his word. When I read a promise in there, we need to say, hey, that's a true promise. And that can happen in my life. So we need to take him at his word. And that's what Abraham did. His, his faith was not uh, an act, but it was an attitude. It was something that he lived that kind of life. So... Uh, his heart had to turn away from from other things many times and had to realize, hey, I, I've got to not look at the situation around me. That looks kind of hopeless. i got to stop looking at myself and thinking, hey, I can't do it. 
and start remembering God promised that I could. And I think that's what holds some people back from moving on for God because they think, well, you know, I'm old or I'm not as strong as I used to be or I, I don't, I don't know as much as this one over here and I, I, I don't have, and we can come up with all kind of excuses to not move forward with God. But once again, we got to believe God, especially if we feel led to do something for God. I believe that He's led us in that, in that way and He's going to provide. So it's very important that we do that. Let's jump down to verse 19 of Romans. And being not weak in the faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. That's exactly what I just said. You know, I like that word that he considered not. He said, I'm not even going to consider that. I'm not even going to entertain that thought. Because God promised, already promised something here. So I'm not going to do that. And verse 20 says, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. What will keep a lot of things, I believe, from happening in our life, even as a Christian? Unbelief. We, we just don't believe that God could do it. And here he said, I'm not going to stagger at this promise. I'm not going to say, hey, today I believe it, tomorrow I don't. You know, he, he, did, he didn't do that. He stayed, he said, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to stick with it. And he said, I'm going to not consider the other things that are around me. But he said, I'm going to continue to, but he says, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Strong in faith. Verse 21, being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform it. You know, I like those two words too, fully persuaded. I mean, it, there's, there's no room for error here when we're talking about Abraham and what he did. He was fully persuaded. You know, we kind of can say, well, yeah, I know God can do this if maybe I do this and, or maybe if he does this first, uh, or maybe if the circumstance, you know, we, we can come up with those things, but that's not being fully persuaded in God. And because of all of this, it says in verse 22, therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. So we find out because he didn't slack on, on the promise, because he didn't give up on the promise, that we find here that because of that, something was going to be given unto him. And you got to remember, especially when it came to that promise of, of when he told him to sacrifice Isaac. You know, he, he didn't ask him to sacrifice Isaac when he was born a young child. And I don't even know if Abraham uh, could have done it then. I don't know. It would have been mighty hard as a young child like that. But in studying this, Isaac had already grown up in age. And now, because of his walk with God and God asking him to, to do this, he, he said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And so he was persuaded that God would do something. He was confident that God was going to do something here. And he said, I'm just going to fo follow God. And because of this, it was imputed in to him for righteousness. Now, verse 23, and I like this. 
Now it was not written for his sake alone. We could sit back, well, now that was Abraham. And, and God had a special favor for him and God really smiled upon him and, and because of who he was. I mean, my goodness, that, that's why all this happened. Wait a minute. Look at what it says. It says in verse 23, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed unto him. Verse 24, but for us also. To whom it shall be imputed. If we do what? If we believe. We believe on him that raised up our Lord God, Jesus, our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. So we're seeing that God imputed these things upon him. He credited these things to him. These things were going to be counted to Abraham because of what he did, his faith in God. And then you know what it says? We can do the same thing. We probably will never know till we get to heaven how many things have been accredited to us because we believed God in many different situations that came our way. And what a wonderful thing it's going to be to see the Lord smile and say, you know what, let me show you your credit you got here. You got a lot of things you credited up on, on your account. I mean, you're saved by faith because you trusted in me. But let me show you some of the things that were credited to your account because you you did all these things and you believed God. You believed in me. So it's wonderful to see that these promises can happen. Not not only there on Mount Moriah, but Abraham's faith was was put to test through through many other things. And and if faith is just something that we talk about then our faith is back to that dead faith again. You know, we can walk around all day and say, I believe God. But like I said earlier, there's going to come a testing time. (laughs) There's going to come a time when we we probably didn't even expect it. I mean, there there have been things happen, many people in our congregation that had no idea from one day to another that this would take place. But when it took place, we either raised our hands and said, I give up. Or either we said, you know what? I'm going to trust God because he knows the answer. He knows the ending. And we began to call people and ask them to pray and got online and said, please pray. Why? Because we believe that prayers are going to be answered and God's going to come through. And he has many times. So it's very important that we do that. Abraham was a great believer And he believed God and he saw some of these things come to pass. And I believe that we'll see some great things come to pass in our life as well. When James is is teaching about justification, uh, he's referring to the demonstration whereby man's work for God will validate him as a genuine believer. I can look at people and see the how they are just overjoyed to do something for God. And that just tells me, hey, they're a strong believer. I mean, I know people that just can't wait to get up the next day and look for an opportunity to be used of God. And they always got a testimony about how some of the things that God has helped them in and, and working with them. 
because they made themselves available. So it is very important that we do that. Now let's go back to James and look at verse 22. Seeing thou how faith wrought with his works and by works was faith made perfect. Abraham's work was a testimony to his faith. People saw Abraham do something for God and it was a testimony. You never think about that being a a testimony for you and me. But many times, how many times have you had people, how many unbelievers come up to you and say, I want you to do something. I want you to pray for me. Pray for my family. Pray for this situation. Pray for this. Pray for that. You know why they do that? Because they see in you your testimony. They realize that you got faith in God and that you're going to pray that you believe God. Let's go to Hebrews 11 and see this a little bit about in verse number 17. Hebrews 11, 17, it continues to talk about Abraham here. And this is where we really get the picture of what he went through and what he did. By faith, Abraham, and notice this, when he was tried, (laughs) when he was tried, So don't forget, trials will come. And that's not the time to throw our hands up. That's the time to say, wait a minute. God's tested my faith may hear. He's going to see how strong I am. But what did he do? He offered up Isaac. Now, did he offer up Isaac? Did he kill Isaac? He didn't kill him, but he was going to. He went as far as preparing everything, went to the place, got the fire ready, pulled out the knife, and ready to do it. Why? He believed God. So he, by faith, he offered up. You say, okay. You got to remember, this was his only begotten son that was a promised son to him. This was precious to him that he was asked to give up. So it was a testimony of his faith here. Abraham was going to offer this boy that God had given him. He said he he is very special to him. Now, God didn't ask him to offer him up, like I said, till he got towards the end of his life here. And that didn't mean that it was any less important to him. But it was definitely going to be a testimony that he still believed God. He was ready to do it. You say, well, what if he had done it? What if God had allowed him to do it? I believe if God would have even allowed him to do it, still in the back of his mind, he's saying, you know what? He can raise my son back up again. He can raise him up. So it doesn't matter if I have to carry through with it or not. God's still able. I'm still going to believe God. God could still bring a great result in the end. So he believed God. And because of all of this strong faith and believing, it was counted to him a righteousness. So we find that in this account in verse number 18, of whom it was said, Hebrews eleven eighteen that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God 
was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received a figure. Isn't it amazing? He, he didn't give up anywhere along the line. He said, you know, this, this, is, this is the hardest thing that I'll ever have to do, I guess. But God's asked me to do it. I'm going to prepare it. I'm going to get it ready. We're going to go. I'm going to do what he asked me to do. I can see his hand trembling with that knife up there. But he still had to just in the back of his mind say, you know what? If I'm going through with it, God's going to raise him up because he promised. He promised. It's amazing what faith will do and how strong that faith can be in our lives. So it was definitely something that he was going to go through. Let's look at verse 23 back in James now. The scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of, a friend of God. I think that we've talked about this thing of imputed. We've talked about forwarded or credited. All these things ascribed. Uh, it, it goes back to the same quotation in Genesis 15, 6. But James was in reference to the time in Abraham's life, you know, all the way back to this promised seed that he had. It was before Ishmael. Abraham had won a great victory over the kings of the east. He had rescued Lot from slavery, went down there and got him out of that sinful place. He had met with the king of Salem, Melchizedek. He had learned of a new name for God. He, he had refused all the dealings with the king of Sodom. All of these things were going on in, in Abraham's life. And this was when God appeared to him to renew this, this covenant with him. I can see him as he met with him that day and said, Abraham, you need to look up in the sky here. You need to look at all these stars and count them because your, your descendants are going to be as the stars of the sand of the sea and stars of the sky. So he said, That's, this is what your seed's going to be like. And so Abraham had to start from that point saying, hey, you know what? God's been with me. He's going to continue to be with me. And I'm going to continue to trust him and believe God. And so that's why these things were counted to him. And Genesis 15, 6 says the same thing. So it's a, it's a biblical truth. And we saw it tonight. We read it tonight. Not for him only, but for us also. Now, I don't want to skip the last part of that verse because that's important too. And the last part of that verse says this. And he was called the friend of God. The friend of God. Let me tell you something. You can study the Bible through and you won't find many places where God said, that's my friend. The friend of God. James, we see that, reminds us of that. And it's a definite honor to be mentioned uh, only a few times in the scripture. One of them, Second Chronicles 27 we find that 
Art not thou our God, which did drive the inhabitants out of this land, thy people of Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? Isaiah 41, 8. But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. My friend. So, you know, we we find it throughout uh, the Bible and we hear about the children of God. God has a lot of children. But not many times do you find that you're a friend of God or people were called a friend of God in the Word of God. Uh, I wonder just how many real friends uh, does he have today? You know, can you imagine back in that day that God getting his angels together and pointing down at earth and say, you see that man down there, Abraham? He's a friend of mine. What a great title to give him. Pointing towards the earth. That's my friend. I got tickled the other day that it's been about a couple of weeks ago now. I went by to see my grandson. And I was sitting down there on the sofa with Nolan. And out of the blue, he turned around and looked at me. He said, Pop-Pop, you're my friend. I said, you know what, Nolan? You're my friend too. And I, I just thought that was so precious for him to think about calling me his friend. And since then, he's done that several other times. One day he said, you're my best friend. And it means a lot. Can you imagine what it would mean for God to say that to you? You're my friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. Amen. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. We certainly do have a friend in Jesus. You know, on this earth, they say that you're lucky if you have five good friends. I mean, really real friends. And, you know, it's so good to know that you can be a friend of God. So it is very important that we realize once again, it just speaks about Abraham, what kind of person that he was. You know, Abraham was even so special that sometimes God took the opportunity to drop in on him. One of those places is Genesis 18. Genesis 18, I want to read that verse 1 that talks about that. It says, The Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door at the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. And he said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. You know, I, I feel like today, the closer we are to God and we strive to be closer to him and we pray and talk to him every day, read his word every day, I feel like he, he pays us some visits every now and then. We feel his presence, don't we? We sense him around us and working through us and before us and different things that we're going through. So it's very important here. Here we found that he bowed himself to, to the ground. 
And, and I believe that we can be a friend of God. And we need to strive to do that, be closer to him. The Lord Jesus told us exactly, and think about it tonight, how can we become his friend? Well, I'm glad you asked that. How can we do that? John 15 tells us. John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. They put it like this. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. In other words, if we open the word and we read what we should be doing and we follow that, we're on the track to being a friend of God. If we find even many opportunities that we can lay self aside and do something for God to help others, I think we're on that track to being a friend of God. Then he said it like this in that next verse. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. So I think we can be called a friend of God if we realize we follow him in his commandments, and we lay down our life for others. We lay down maybe some of the things that we'd rather be doing, but yet we're looking for opportunities to serve the Lord and reach folks for him. All right, so let's go back to verse 24 of James. It says, You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. A verse that needs to be looked at closely because once again, faith and works go together just like the, I told you at the beginning of the study tonight. We find that faith in God is what we need to trust in him and believe in him and know him. But then the works will be the fruits or the results of that faith. So James is not teaching that works is a means of salvation. And I'm afraid that Many times there are, there are many people that they get it tied up that way. Now, I understand that many times there are people coming by, knock on your door. You'll see them riding bicycles around. You'll see them, and what are they doing? They're working, 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 and they're thinking that that work is going to get them to heaven. Now, I don't, I don't fault anybody that's out there witnessing for the Lord, and that takes work too. But there's a difference in relying upon what I did today is what's going to get me to heaven. No. What I did back when I was age 12 on a Sunday night is going to get me to heaven when I came to an altar and asked Christ to come in my life. That's what's going to get me to heaven. Now, after that, I begin to find that God can use me and I can do some works for the Lord and people were able to see Christ in me. If we're busy making sure we got a name for ourselves and not a name for Christ, we're doing it for the wrong reason, aren't we? We want to point people to Christ. So we find uh, in John 15 uh, and verse number 13, it's very important to know this. Greater love have no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And so 
as we look at these verses, another great verse is Titus 3.5. And that's why I say we can always go back to that and realize when people get tangled up, well, I'm working my way to heaven. And a lot of people think that by helping the community, helping the poor, giving this to this function, doing this over here, doing this over there, God's going to look upon it and smile upon it. And that's what's going to get me to heaven. Well, Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So once again, we have to always remember, it's not by our works, it's by his work. His work on Calvary, that'll get us there because we believe in that. But we will work for Christ after we get saved and those works will count for the Lord and count for us as well. Not adding to our salvation, that's the only one way is through Christ. So it's not, it's not adding to that, but it can be accredited to us if we're doing it for God. And that's what we've been trying to establish here tonight. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. Very clear verses here. Then he says it so, so plain we can see it. Verse 9, not of works, least any man should boast. You see, that's the problem. If it was a thing about works, all we do is walk around boasting about what we've done. And there will be a lot of people that will stand before God in that day. And they'll be thinking, you know what? I can't wait to tell God what I've done. I got a whole list of things I did. But if they haven't given their heart to Christ, then it'll burn up, burn up all those works. And that's the problem today. If you see somebody doing something, you hear somebody doing something and you think you're doing it for Christ, but then they want to boast about what they've done and get that pat on the back and their name and the lights and the head, headline, then that's all, that's all the glory they'll get. It'll not be accounted to them any other time. And many times, you know, I, I, sometimes I, I know it's hard for the pastor because he has so many people that do a lot of things in the church for God. And he, he wants to thank everybody for everything they did. And, and I, I understand that. And, and, and it's good to be recognized sometimes. It helps some, you know, we're human. It's good to tell somebody, tell you you're doing a good job. But don't let it go to your head. Realize that we do things for God. We do things for Christ. We're doing things to reach the world that are lost. So works is not a means of salvation, but it's a proof, a proof of salvation. By faith, we are justified before God. By works, people can tell, tell that we have been saved. And that's what I've tried to bring. It works as a, a practical response. And I believe a true believer will say, hey, I'm looking to serve Christ somewhere. I'm looking to get involved in the church. I'm looking to, to you know, whether it's driving a bus, or picking up folks for church or helping in a class and, and in nursery. I mean, all these things have to happen in order for the service to continue and, and have things that we do in here. 
And I'm so thankful for people that say, hey, I'll do that. I want to do that for God. I want to do that. I, I don't want to do it for, so, so I can boast about it, so I can tell others what I'm doing. But I want to do it for Christ. So that is the, uh, the great example of Abraham. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.